athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. As always, thank you for joining me on another edition of the Dopey Show on radio. This is Fox to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Absolutely marvelous show for you on today. Happy Juneteenth. Happy Father's Day weekend and a whole lot to get to on the program. As a matter of fact, as you know, if you've listened for any number of time, I guess more specifically over the last three or four years or so, we have had my father on the program. He's a Howard University Hall of Famer, uh, had a, a great encounter, as a matter of fact, with the legendary coach Vince Lombardi, which he'll talk more about on today. So my father, Donald Ware, going to join us today here on the program. Also joining us today here on Box to Row, you know the A&T men's and women's track programs are absolutely outstanding. The men finishing the outdoor season, number three, number three in the outdoors. The women finished number four in the outdoors. A lot of national champions on the respective teams. And Dwayne Ross, who is the director of track and field programs at North Carolina A&T, going to join us today here on the program. He's had some interesting things to say this week as it's related to HBCUs and uh, the, the thought and how HBCUs are thought of and you look at A&T, it's a dominant track program overall. I mean, you can, of course, it is an HBCU, but I mean, it's a, it's a, <laughs> when you finish number three and number four, respectively, in the outdoors, you're not just an HBCU, you're one of the best track programs in the country. So I'm going to ask him about that, and we'll talk about some other things as it relates uh, to just the program, where it's come from, where it is now, the trajectory, and where it's going Dwayne Ross, again, the director of track and field programs for North Carolina A&T, also going to join us today here on Box to Row. Also joining us today here on Box to Row, as a matter of fact, in this segment, we're going to be joined by Stan Verrett. Stan Verrett just signed a new contract with ESPN. He, of course, hosts SportsCenter Nightly uh, from L.A., and he's also a Howard University graduate Stan Verrett also going to join us today here on Box to Row. Sit back, relax, enjoy the program. If you're out and about, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be off next week, taking a little vacation. So going to be off next week. Uh, so relax, enjoy the program, 
and you can interact with us on the program as well via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W. Any thoughts you may have? We're going to talk plenty, obviously, of NBA playoffs here on the program. Any thoughts on what's going on? I continue to say this NBA playoff this year has been as memorable as I can remember any other year. A lot of drama, a lot of great games, a lot of injuries. As a matter of fact, also as well. So we're going to talk some NBA on the program. You can join us via Twitter at Box2Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. The Brooklyn Nets, I talked about it last week. I, I You know, the series, I thought we thought it was going to be a blowout, and then everything changed when Kyrie Irving got injured. And... You know, Kevin Durant needed to have an absolutely monster performance, and he had a performance for the ages on Tuesday night with the series tied at two games apiece. He goes for 49 points in the game. He has a triple-double. He had like, what, 10 or 11 assists, 17 rebounds, something like that. They needed so much. James Harden played in that game, didn't give them a whole lot, but... What he did give them in that game was a presence, another guy that you have to respect. And also, Kevin Durant's homeboy, right? Jeff Green, they're both from the DMV, came up big in that game on Tuesday with 24 points in the game. Jeff uh, Blake Griffin hit some big shots as well. But not so much for the Nets. Uh, and really, Milwaukee, give Milwaukee a lot of credit came right back on Thursday, made some adjustments, able to win that game 104-89. So we're tied at three games apiece with game three taking place on Saturday in Brooklyn. Chris Middleton, Antetokounmpo, both have been outstanding, unlike maybe past years for Milwaukee. So it should be an outstanding game seven in Brooklyn on Saturday. Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman. As a matter of fact, he has been on ESPN since 2000. And you see him nightly on ESPN. You know, he's done a, he's done a great job. He's a Howard grad. We got to talk more about that. Of course, I, I, today for this, I'm going to wear my Morgan shirt as a Morgan grad, the Morgan grad <laughs> that I am. He is Stan Verrett. He joins us here on Box to Row. What's good, Stan? Uh, good, man. Good to be with you, Donald. Um, uh, everything's great, man. Looking forward to our conversation. And uh, I got a lot of love for Morgan, uh, old MEAC rival, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I come from an HBCU family, so that's always been a big part of my experience. Oh, wow. So your folks, so where'd your, where'd your folks go? Uh, my mom went to Dillard University in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, and then she was an administ- uh, professor and administrator at Dillard later. Vice President of Academic Affairs at Grambling. Um, my older brother went to Dillard as well, and my younger brother went to Howard, just like I did. Ah, very good. Listen, back in 2011, I went, I did a show from the Xavier, prior to the Xavier Dillard game, it was on a Saturday. As a matter of fact, it was uh, two weeks before March. That's a big game. Man, that's a big game. <laughs> it was off the chain, did the show. It was great. And then called the game. It was a, it was actually a really good game. And that's a big time robbery there in New Orleans. Absolutely, absolutely. So how can throw the record books out? Throw the record books out when Dillard and Xavier get together, man. It's uh, it's always a, a big event. It's it's a big game and a big event. Yeah. 
So why Howard? Why 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 Howard? You know, um, it's funny. I I was I knew I wanted to go to an HBCU because, you know, growing up in New Orleans with my mom teaching at Dillard, I I pretty much grew up on Dillard's campus, and so my idea of college from at a very young age was black students going to college. Like that's that's what I understood college to be, and so when I started thinking about my own college experience, that's what I wanted it to be with the fraternities and the sororities and the band and everything, you know? And so I, I just knew that um, that was that was the right experience for me because I saw the way my mother, my mother was a, a, a science teacher. She taught anatomy, physiology, biology, um, and, and was later uh, chair of the division of natural sciences at Dillard. Um, and I saw the sense of mission she had about her students. My mother helped to create a generation of black doctors and nurses and dentists in New Orleans and, and throughout the South, uh, where Dillard's alumni mainly come from. And so I saw the sense of mission she had about her students and that, that sense of purpose that came with going to an HBCU. And I knew that's the experience that I wanted. Um, I've since come to learn talking to students who, who went to you know bigger, mainstream predominantly white institutions that they had you know issues on campus and you know were involved in protests and, and all that sort of stuff and I'm just I didn't want that kind of thing to mar my college experience I wanted it to be about creating um uh, the right future for myself professionally and I wanted to have fun and not be burdened by any of the foolishness um that 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 might happen at, at a different type of school no, very well said. Did you foresee yourself being a, I guess, in sports or on television or actually combining the two? Well, you know, my original goal was to uh, play for the New Orleans Saints uh, okay. in the NFL. I'm born and raised in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, I got to high school, St. Augustine High School in New Orleans. We were coming off back-to-back -back state championships at the highest level. Uh, in Louisiana, we have a, a really proud football tradition. Uh, recent grads uh, include uh, Tyron Matthew and Leonard Fournette. I mean, we, we've always had great teams, great athletes. Uh, and I got out there, found out just how great those athletes were and that I wasn't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, my mom, being the educator that she is, said, listen, you know, your, your test scores uh, in anything to do with uh, in anything verbal, your writing, uh, your speaking, those are your real talents, you know, and there's a way you can use those talents and still be around sports because she knew I love sports and she knew that she could get me to read. First of all, I had a, a, a subscription to Sports Illustrated since I was five years old, mm. you know, and it was mine. And, and the rules were I could get my subscription to Sports Illustrated, read about all my favorite athletes, but if there were words that I didn't understand, I had to go look them up. You know, and so it was it was just her trick to get me to read. And so I became a lifelong reader. And 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 that in turn enhanced my verbal skills, just being exposed to words and language and and uh, and writing that enhanced my verbal skills. And I got good at it myself. And so I said, you know, maybe she's got a point. So I became the sports editor of our student newspaper. I knew everything about the football team. I knew all the plays, you know, um, I knew all the players. I knew who was good, who wasn't, you know, and so. I had a, a real unique perspective in covering them. And then the basketball team as well. We won the state championship while I was there in basketball as well. And so that, that kicked off my journalism career. And I, I never looked back.
No, no question about it. Stan Verrett of Sports Center on ESPN joining us here on Box to Row. Let's step aside, take a break, come back with more of Stan Verrett. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. With the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Here's the man to bring it to you, Donald Ware. We're back here on Box to Row. Stan Barrett, see him nightly on ESPN as he joins us here on Botcher. As a matter of fact, specifically ESPN Los Angeles, which, but you know, I didn't realize that, well, I realized that you started it, right? And that was 2009. I didn't realize it had been 12 years, like 12 years yeah. since you've been doing this. Fantastic. I mean, it's still a lot of fun every single night. We've got a great crew out here. Um, the, the big difference between here and Bristol is that I know everybody's name here. You know, Bristol's such a large campus. There's 5,000 people there, um, or maybe even more than that now. Um, but we have a very small crew here. And so it feels to me like a local station with unlimited resources, you know, because because you know everybody. And uh, it, it, it's it's really, I mean, I know every every company or organization says, oh, it's like a family. It really is here because there's not that many people. And so you can really get to know your coworkers. Like, when I was in Bristol, you know, there's thousands of people there, but I'm on screen every night. So people know my name. So I'm walking down the hallway. Hey, Stan, how's it going? And there's no way possible I can reply in kind to everybody and know their name, you know, and, it, and it's sort of uncomfortable because I pride myself being friendly, being nice to people, you know, but it just bothers me when, you know, they know my name, but there's no way for me to memorize everybody else's name. So I, I don't have that issue here. Yeah. Uh, so for you, congratulations, the new contract. It's a big deal. Thank you. You know, talk about it. That, that's great. It's, that's phenomenal. Well, you know, I just want to continue the work that we've done. Like I said, it, it's, it, it's still a fun job every single night. I mean, um, when everybody's watching the NBA playoffs, you know, as they are right now, I get to watch it and then go on TV and talk about it, you know? Um, and that's, that's a, it, it's a, it's a tremendous responsibility, first of all, for me as a journalist to, 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 to cover the story effectively. Um, it's a lot of fun though, because it's highlights and it's, and it's, and it's exciting, you know, because it's sports and, and the great athletes that we cover. Um, it's like the ultimate reality television where we don't know what's going to happen when we show up to work every night, but we know something's going to happen that's going to be noteworthy and we get to tell the story of it. And as a journalist, I mean, that's, that's, that's the dream right there. Being able to, being able to tell the story of exciting uh, uh, events um, and, and, and bring your own 
uh, uh, talents uh, to doing that. And uh, it's a challenge and a thrill every single night. And so it's, I, I, don't, I don't know what I would be doing if I wasn't doing this. Um, this, is, this is what I've always wanted to do. It's what I've always enjoyed doing. So uh, why stop now? <laughs> no question. So how does it make you feel? Like, like, you know, we've known for a long time, obviously, about HBCUs. There seems to be like this HBCU movement, if you will. Like, in other words, a lot of other people that didn't know about HBCUs are knowing about them. I look, you know, you look at it from a TV perspective. I look at you, Stephen A., go to Fox, Shannon Sharp. I mean, you guys are, are really getting it done. But your thoughts Gus are... Gus Johnson. I got more. Gus Johnson yeah. on Fox. Steve Weiss on NFL Network. Of course. Frederica Whitfield, Howard Grad on CNN. Stephanie Elam, Howard Grad on CNN. I mean, it's, um, you know, there, there's, there's, there's something special about being nurtured to go out and conquer the world. Like I said, there, there's a sense of mission. My, my professors were invested in my success. It wasn't just a job for them. You know, a lot of times at HBCUs, they might not get paid as much as they would get paid at, at, at other universities. Um, the facilities might not be um, what they are at, at other places. But the, the, the nurturing and, and the caring and the investment in your success is always going to be there. And, and that was more important to me than anything else. And, it, and, and I think, you know, I mean, you know, you, you talk to HBCU grads. I mean, that's the story that, that you'll hear over and over again. Like I looked at Howard's campus. Everything there was mine. Everything there was, 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 was put there specifically for me and, and people like me when we were denied access to other universities. You know, um, my mother graduated valedictorian of her high school in New Orleans, McDonough 35, a, a, a college prep magnet school. She couldn't go to college in Louisiana because it was segregated. There was no talk about, well, what are your grades? What are your extracurricular activities? You know, nothing. You're black. You can't go. And so HBCU stepped into that void and made sure that talented, ambitious black students had an avenue to succeed. And that's where that sense of mission began because they were the only alternative. Now, even though there are other alternatives, that sense of mission is still there and it's still providing us with what we need to go out into the world and be successful. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when I talk with Anthony Anderson some years ago, you know, he mentioned just in uh, not necessarily the same class at Howard, but some of his classes had at the same time, Laz Alonzo, P. Diddy, yeah. Shy, Ananda Lewis, Carl Anthony Payne, uh, Wendy Raquel Robinson, Taraji P. It's crazy. And like you went, you, your grad, you mentioned some, but you're graduating, you graduated with, Steve White, a friend of this program. What do you remember most about those your days at Howard? Well, you know what? And, and she's going to kill me if she sees this because I, I left her off the list. But Michelle Miller from CBS News, who's a, who's a co-anchor of CBS uh, Morning News on weekends, we were uh, student co-anchors together on the first student-produced newscast that, that Howard did um, in 1989. And, um, you know, Michelle's been a dear friend for years. I don't know how I left her off my list. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, I looked around and, you know, I saw, you know, Frederica, Frederica was a couple of years ahead of me, but I saw Frederica Whitfield and I'm like, okay, she's going to be on network news one day. I saw Michelle in the classroom with me. I'm like, she's going to be on network news one day. There were other people who were in our classes who, who chose to go different routes because the skills that we got learning to write and to speak 
they're transferable uh, and, and relevant across a number of different industries. So some people went to business school, some people went to law school, and now they're executives and attorneys, and they're still using the skills that they learned at the School of Communications at Howard, but they're just not practicing journalists. So it was it was unbelievable. And then there's just there's so many other people who were there at the same time with me. Roz Baraka, the mayor of uh, Newark, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, Kasim Reed, uh, Kasim Reed, who was uh, past mayor of Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, there's so many people who've distinguished themselves. Anthony was there when I was there. I mean, there were so many people who distinguished themselves in so many different ways. And and I have to at Howard, it's only going to increase because um, it, it, the, the the school is doing such a good job of capitalizing on on its appeal. And 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 marketing that appeal to young people. You know, Howard has always had a reputation for being cool, for being hip, because of people like Diddy and Debbie Allen and Felicia Rashad. I mean, it's like we've always had that star power, and I think the university understands that appeal, and 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 they're using that to market the university effectively. And then Kamala Harris comes along, and Kamala Harris is elected vice president of the United States. Uh, she's a Howard graduate. Pledged Alpha Cap Alpha in 1986. Samuel Pledge Alpha Phi Alpha. We're all enormously proud of her. But it, it, it's it's elevated uh, the 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 reputation of Howard. It's elevated the appeal of Howard, and for HBCUs in general, because it sends the message in a resoundingly clear way that you can go anywhere that you want to go in this world if you have the drive, the ambition, and the talent. And you go to an HBCU. There's nothing stopping you. There's no there's no penalty for going to an HBCU. And I think that students are starting to understand that. Um, Howard is as selective as it ever has been able to be in, in its history right now because there are so many students who want that experience. And uh, it, it, it's a beautiful thing to see. A couple of more thoughts with Stan Verrett, of course, you see him each night on ES or on ESPN on Sports Center, specifically Sports Center, Los Angeles. You know, I like a couple of years ago, I just got, I just was able to get Neil Everett's reference when he says he's when he says he's Stan, I'm Neil. I I just sort yeah. of got that reference, Everett Verrett, right? But what is yeah. it? Yeah, I, I I don't know. For all the years I had been seeing that, I it just dawned on me one day. You know what I mean? Uh, but what is it like? You know, you guys have been together a long time. What's it like working with him? Twelve years, and you know, um, it's funny because I'll, I'll you know I'll be somewhere. We're so connected that I'll be somewhere. But Neil, what's up? You know, and they <laughs> right. know us together, right. and so they just take a shot. It might be Stan, it might be Neil. Neil, you know, I'm like, no, I'm Stan. So that's why he always says, "He's right. Stan, I'm right. Neil." Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's uh, but it, it, it's great. I mean, he's a he's a fantastic guy. I mean, we've gotten to be really great friends over the years. Um, we, we, we spent a lot of time, um, our cubicles are right next to each other. And so we're not just together when we're on the air. We're literally together all night, sitting there, writing the show, laughing, joking, watching different games. Hey man, you watching this such, such, and then, you know, I flip over to the game. He's watching, oh man, that's crazy. You know? So it, it's, um, it's really a collaborative effort. It, it's, um, it's really teamwork. We both take the job very seriously. We try not to take ourselves seriously. And when I say in in 12 years, um, what there haven't been any major disagreements. There's never been any sort of um, any sort of problems. I mean, he's a, he's a dream as a coworker. 
um, because it, it's it's a uh, it, it's a great relationship, and that's why I think uh, we've been able to work together for so long. And I think it, it comes across to the viewers that that we really do like each other and we enjoy working together. A favorite or most memorable interview for you? Do you have one? Uh, that's easy. Um, I did a town hall on uh, race, sports, and culture with uh, former President Barack Obama in 2016. Um, it's the highlight of my career. Probably will never be top. Um, but it was, uh, I got to spend an entire hour uh, interviewing him, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was phenomenal. Um, he's such a, a smart man. He's such a, a, a thoughtful man. He's such a, um, a, a, just, a, just a born leader. I mean, I could have sat there and talked to him for three hours, four hours, you know, um, just to get his perspective on things. Um, but it was it was a highlight of my career. Stan Verrett again, check him out each night. So it's Monday through Friday. You're on e at the 11, a 11 p.m. in the 1 a.m. show. Correct. Yeah, we get we get we get some Saturdays in there, too, sometimes, too. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoy you. I, I, enjoy, I like Scott. I like Scott's show. Right. But um you guys, man, you kill it, the top 10 and all that. So um, enjoy watching you, um, what you do, everything you've done. Um, you know, Howard University is in the building. HBCUs are in the building. Every time that this man, you see him on TV. Stan Verrett joining us here on Box to Row. Stan, really appreciate the time. Continued success in all you do. Hey, Donald, same to you as well, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it, Stan. If you want to react to anything that Stan Verrett had to say, hit me up via Twitter, Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. He had a lot to say, has really done a great job, has been with ESPN for now over 20 years, and again, just got the new contract. Up next here on Box to Row, we're going to talk with Dwayne Ross, who's building a phenomenal track and field program at North Carolina A&T. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. Bubba Wallace. They feel like I'm throwing a race into the context here and it's not about race he's a driver at the end of the day everybody's making it about race it's all about the headlines these days not me saying like yep i'm the black guy here you're gonna not stop hearing about me it was more along the lines of the fans like hey it's cool i've been dealing with that for, for a while he spiked lee thank you i haven't heard that i mean i've been on rails all over the nation thank you for that question i'm a third generation morehouse man i was taught to speak your truth and that there's very special about being a Morehouse man, the same way you feel about your school, the same way we feel all about our respective historic black colleges. That would have been my first choice anyway, and I'm proud to be a Morehouse man. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride. Ron Rivera, you know, a great player. Did you see yourself as a coach? I've been told a lot of times by a lot of people, boy, you know, you're kind of like a coach on the field. I always felt at some point, yeah, I'd probably get into coaching. It all started because of my son wanting to play football. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years. You get to <laughs> 
man, you know what is good, and, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better, and, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other than common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business, and Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. Dave Roberts, manager of the L.A. Dodgers, to be person of color and be the manager of the Dodgers. What does that mean to you? Well, I think the first thing that comes to me is responsibility. With recency and, and kind of the social, the racial issues that we're having that really come to light, which is, I believe, are good things. I think that it's a responsibility for me to be the first manager of color for the Dodgers. There's not many of us in baseball. To do things the right way, to hopefully give others, other people of color, opportunities. Hopefully it just paves the way. So I think that for me, I, I definitely look at it as responsibility, but something I'm willing to undertake. Omari Hartwick. And that's crazy that you say that. I got one of your colleagues and one of your contemporaries and that being Stephen A. He hit me about three weeks ago and he texted me and he said, oh, how did I miss this one? But it's equally been a beautiful thing for me to see how much you guys who work in sport are fans of me. But for you to like it as much as Stephen A said he liked it and all within the last three weeks, you both are commenting on it. I'm in good company. We're, we're HBCU guys, you know. I know I'm in good company. Of course, bro. <laughs> Shout out to Howard University. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to one Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again. And just having a up-close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melodes. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. She's Simone Biles. Ashley was really fun. Like, to be honest, me and Allie had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, like, we're in the best shape of our lives. We're feeling confident about our body, and we hope that other young girls and women, like, feel that being strong is so beautiful. So that's what we kind of try to do. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm -hmm. All the top black athletes together along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. You, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown to Division One. Kyrie Irving Playing at Duke for Coach K, what was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having the brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. From the press box to press row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real relevant radio. We track down the names making news in sports from the press box to press row. It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman in his ninth season as the director of track and field programs at North Carolina A&T. And uh, what a career he has had. As a matter of fact, what uh, a weekend it was for North Carolina A&T, both the men, men and women's track programs. The men finished third nationally in Division One. The women finished fourth. 
national championships all over the place for both programs. We're going to talk more about that. Dwayne Ross joins us here on Box to Row. Dwayne, congratulations and welcome back to the program. Hey, thank you so much. And uh, as always, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad to have you. Your thoughts. I mean, what does it mean uh, to finish uh, third and fourth respectively between the men and the women in the Division One track and field outdoor championships? Hey, well, it obviously is, is great for our student athletes and great for our institution. Uh, but it also tells our competition, you know, hey, to, to listen. You know, we've been saying this since day one that this is this is going to come to pass, and uh, and we're not done. Uh, the goal has always went, been to win the national championship, and uh, we we have every intention on doing that. But to uh, you know to come in here and walk out with uh, the men and women uh, taking the podium and being the only program in the country to do that, you know, that speaks volumes about our program being a complete program and being the best program in the country. Uh, so. You know, I, I'm big on my student athletes, you know, getting the, the respect they deserve. Uh, you know, they work hard. They don't work any less than anyone else in the classroom or on the track. Uh, so, yeah, that needs to be uh, brought to the forefront that this is the best program in the country. No question. And and you, you made a, a comment that I think really is apropos with respect because uh, a lot of people say, well, HBCU program, the best HBCU program. But to your point, you finished third and fourth respectively in the country amongst all programs. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. It's interesting you mentioned winning a, an outright national championship. So in other words, finishing first uh, with respect to both the men and the women. Are you fully funded? Like how far away do you think you are from doing that? Uh, we're, we're, we're very close. We're very close. Uh, I get that question all the time about resources, and, and, and I can answer that with, hey, our administration, uh, you know, they, they're the best. Uh, we couldn't do what we do uh, without uh, our administration and our support staff. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, we don't want for anything. You know, this, society and, and mainstream media will have you think that, you know, HBCUs are, you know, you know, you know living paycheck by paycheck. And, you know, that's just, that's just not the case. Uh, and whatnot, you know, this is a very strong institution. We have very strong support. Uh, and whatnot, we have, you know, some of the greatest facilities in the country and whatnot. So we're, we're right there. You know, we're right there. This has just been a, a um, you know, a, a process in, in building our program and, you know, building some stability. And uh, it's not easy to win a championship. If it, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Uh, so when people ask, you know, you know, what, what are you missing? Well, just time, you know, time. And, and time is on our side and, and we're heading that way. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, in, in, in studying, not all the time, like I, I don't necessarily, and I'm not, that's not a good thing. I'm just saying, being honest, I don't necessarily study track and field, but, you know, it seems that when you add up the points, so you have to get a certain amount of points to win the championship and those type of things. Um, and, and sometimes, not just HBCUs, but sometimes smaller schools aren't able to have like the shot putter or the javelin thrower and, and all of that. I mean, do you ha- are you competing in every single event in the championships? Not yet. Not yet. We're very strong on the sprint and hurdle side uh, and, and jumps. We, we scored in the jumps, scored in the sprints and the hurdles. That's our strong suit. Uh, when I, you know, in every program, they may have balance you know, a, across all events. But every program has a, a core. Uh, you know, they, they have a, a strong event group that, that scores a lot of points in NCAAs and at their conference championships, and we're no different. We're not, so we're, we're, we're getting there. This year we had, we had a, a young lady, Lauren James, uh, her first trip to the regional championships. 
it was our first time taking a thrower. She's a shot putter to the regional championships. Uh, this was the first year we've taken, we took two high jumpers, uh, two female high jumpers to the regional championships. And, and one of our high jumpers, you know, she made it to NCAAs. So this year was a first for us. And that's seeing that, you know, we are becoming that program that we can score points, you know, across the board and not just in the sprints and hurdles. And, and we're getting better every year. Is The goal is to get better, and I think we do a good job of that. So that'll get better, and as it gets better, you know, we'll score more points. Dwayne Ross, again in his ninth season as the director of track and field champion, or track and field programs, that is. <laughs> you could say track and field championship <laughs> at North Carolina A&T. Joins us here on Box to Row. So, okay, so R- Randolph Ross Jr., your son. I mean, I'm sorry, you're a student athlete because, you know, in a, in a quote, he said, he said, my father, I mean coach. Right. So you guys have this great relationship. He wins. Right. He wins two national championships. I'm going to start with him because we, we got a lot to get to. Uh, one in the 400 meter and, and then one in the four by 400 meter relay. You know, speak about what he has been able to accomplish as a, a, a incredibly a freshman. Yeah. Yeah. Just a uh, just an outstanding young man and. Uh, you know, I know some of you may think that's biased because he's my son, but I'm telling you, just an outstanding young man, very respectful to, to each and every student athlete around him, to his to his coaches and his, and his peers. I mean, just just a great kid, and he works hard. He works hard. You know, so he, he's very deserving uh, of what he's accomplished because he's a hard worker. It's just not genetics. You know, it's just not the DNA that he inherited. He brings the work ethic, you know, and he brings the energy. You know, he's a God-fearing young man. You know, I mean, I'm just so proud of him. Of what he's accomplished, he's a great student in the classroom. He has over a 3.0, and we're not so. Uh, I mean, he, like I said, he, he deserves this because he works hard for it. He he understands what his destiny is, and and we're big on that within our family. Uh, you know, we're, we're big on loyalty and and you know our our legacy and what we're doing uh, for each other. And he understands what his destiny is, and uh, and and he 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 pushes you know full steam ahead with that, and we're not so. He is going to be just fine. And, and whatever he decides to do in life. Akeem, Sir Leaf, Trevor Stewart, Daniel Stokes, and, of course, uh, Ross Jr., uh, again, 4 by 400 meter relay national champions. I mean, these young men have been doing something very special all track season, going back to the indoor track season as well. You know, speak about this relay team and, again, them winning the national championship. Yeah, you know this is you know these guys this this relay is is it's not an event to them. It's, it's who they are, uh, and, and and that's been the case you know for years. I mean this we haven't I think in our conference uh, you know we were in the MEAC conference we're going to the Big South now, but uh, the last seven or eight MEAC championships uh, we have won the four by four. We have not lost it, you know at every conference championship. Uh, and, and, you know, that's their identity. You know, they, they, they love that. You know, they look forward to uh, the last event of the, you know, the championship and running that relay. You know, so, you know, that's personal for them. You know, so even at, NC, at the NCAA level, you know, it's, it's not an event. It's, 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 you know, their identity is who they are. So there was no doubt in my mind that they were going to win this, you know, this, this outdoor championship in that relay. And, uh, you know, if you saw, saw our first leg, you know, made a couple – you know, a couple of errors, you know, errors in, in how he ran his, his race and put us behind. But, you know, that, that team, they're tight. They can depend on each other. I don't think they broke a sweat at all uh, and whatnot. But just a, a special, special group. I, I don't think there'll ever be, 
another relay uh, team uh, put together on a collegiate level like this, man, that, that just has the same unity, the same energy, and, you know, the same, uh, you know, championship grit. I mean, they, they just want to go out and win every single time they step on the track. Dwayne Ross, again in his ninth season as the director of track and field programs at North Carolina A&T, joins us here on the program. The women's side, again, the women, we mentioned the men finishing third nationally. The women finish fourth. Cambria Sturgis wins the national championship in the 100 and 200 meters. Again, talk about her again going back when we talked back in March. She was doing some big things in indoor, translated over to outdoor. Yeah, yeah, she's been training hard. I mean, that, you know, I, I told you know, I, I told everyone uh, that would listen. We had a press conference with the NCAA before the meet, and I told them Cambrio's in the best shape of her life. Uh, I mean, just a special talent uh, with this young lady. Uh, but you know, those, those championships, man. Let me tell you, you know, the re- respect in this sport is big, right? And uh, and you know, Cambria coming in here, you know, they did not give her the respect that was due. I mean, this young lady at the regional championships just two weeks ago ran one of the fastest times, one of the top five times in the world two weeks ago, you know, before coming into NCAA championships. And they didn't even have her predicted to, to the score in, uh, I think, the, the 200. I think they had her predicted to finish sixth or seventh in the 100. I mean, just the, like I said, just the lack of respect, you know, how uh, society and media just wants to look past what they don't think uh, a championship definition is right. You know they they don't look at uh, HBCUs and you know or North Carolina A&T and expect you know them to be the best there is. So they look past it. And I mean and, and it's you know that time has has come and gone. And and you know we use that as motivation. So yeah, she knew this coming in here. She had a chip on her shoulder. You know how can you be one of the fastest athletes in the world? You know in your respective event and and still get looked past and whatnot. So. She had a chip on her shoulder, and I knew the minute the minute we got here and we had our first practice, I looked at one of my assistant coaches, and I said, hey, this girl's about to win this. And, and, and she did not let me down. So, I mean, just a, a hard-working young lady, once again, so, uh, similar to, to my son, just, you know, a good student and a good person. And I mean, she couldn't – you couldn't wish any more happiness on someone. She really deserves, you know, to be on that podium. Speaking of respect, uh, when talking about HBCUs, you said, uh, quote, but that acronym needs to be retired if people are going to continue to misuse it. It's almost like they are saying you guys are good for an HBCU. No, we're good, period. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> it is, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, people want to look past or find a reason. You know, instead of just saying, man, North Carolina A&T is the best program in the country, they got to put a label on it. North Carolina A&T is the best program in the country for an HBCU, right? They, they just refuse, refuse to acknowledge what's obvious. And whatnot. You know, they just, they, they can't see it or they don't want to see it. It's, it's one of the two. And that's because, you know, what our society is. And I sincerely believe that. So, yeah, so I, I did have a, uh, interview uh, a couple of days ago, and I mentioned that if, if you know mainstream media and, and other people if they want to keep using that acronym the wrong way, then it should just be retired, you know, because we've been we're sick of hearing, uh, you know, they're the best HBCU, you know, they're they're uh, they're good and they're just an HBCU. They use it as if it's a um, it's, as if it's a, a negative, 
You know, and what I tell my kids, you know, and I've been telling them this for the last nine years, right? We're extraordinary. We're champions because we're an HBCU. You know, our culture, our people, you know, who we are, you know, my kids, they hear this day in and day out. You were born to be kings and queens, and don't forget that. It doesn't matter what we're doing in life, right? You were born, right, to be the head, not the tail. So they believe this. And so when we step out on that track, they, they know, right, that it's going to take a lot for someone to beat them, right? And it does. When we step on the track, we come to perform, right? And if you're going to beat us, you got to be at your best. It's just that simple. Why not? So, yes, that acronym, we love our culture, we love our people, right? We love the fact that we're representing all HBCUs, but you know, the world has got to, to wake up and understand that we are who we are because of that, not despite of, right? So, yeah, that acronym needs to start being used the correct way, and it's, uh, and it's for us to remind the world, right, hey, hey, this is how you use this, right? Every time they slip up and use it in an incorrect way, it's for us to tell them no. This is how you use that, and, and don't forget it. Well said. Dwayne Ross, again, director of track and field programs at North Carolina A&T in his ninth season, joins us here on Box to Row in the Division One Outdoor National Championships. The men finish third and the women finish fourth. An unbelievable, not just an outdoor season, but an unbelievable indoor season for A&T track and field. Dwayne, really appreciate the time. We look forward to talking with you in the future and what uh, ANT Track and Field has to hold coming up next year. Hey, thank you so much, man. You guys have a good one. Dwayne Ross building a great track and field program at North Carolina ANT. You want to react to anything that Dwayne Ross had to say, hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row. Up next here on Box to Row, my father, Howard Hall of Famer, Donald Ware. BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the Game of the Week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports. BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Welcome back to Box to Row. It's the Juneteenth and Father's Day weekend edition of the program. And as we've done for the last, I guess, three or four years or so, always bring my father on the program uh, to to talk a little bit about his history. Uh, his name is Donald, where he's a Howard Hall of Famer, uh, and he joins us right now here on Box to Row. How's it? How's it going? Everything's going well, son. I'm I'm glad that uh, you're making me a part of the program. I appreciate it every year. I look forward to it, so I'm ready to go. Okay, so let let's start here. I mean, we saw an epic. Obviously, you're, well, so let me, let's reset the tip. So you're from the Washington, actually from Washington, D.C., from the yeah. city, grew up in the city, still live in sort of the area. And, I mean, we saw an epic performance uh, on, uh, you know, the other night, Tuesday night from Kevin Durant. The, the Nets needed that game. He stepped up. One of the more, one of the better performances we've probably seen in NBA history. As a great athlete yourself who played, you know, with some great athletes who may have seen the likes of an Elgin Baylor or a Dave Bing, 
you know, Sherman Douglas. Certainly you were older then when Sherman Douglas was coming through Spingarn and all of the, you know, great athletes that have come through the DMV. Who do you think, in your opinion, is the greatest athlete you either ever saw or played with? Well, I tell you, it's, it's so many of them. You named um, Elgin Bella and Dave Bing. I, I would think that uh, Austin Carr went to Mac in high school. I think he came out in 67 and um, went to Notre Dame and then played with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I think that Austin Carr would be my pick. Yeah, and wh- why so? He came up in an era that um, was a lot of great athletes. He stands out uh, because he was smooth at what he did. He didn't have to, you know, take a lot of shots. He made most of his shots. He was very good. He was smooth. He was was tall. I guess he was about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, at the time. The Mackin had a good team, and um, I know they played uh, my high school my junior year. And I knew Austin as as a as a, as a um, um, teenager growing up in River Terrace, and I never thought that he would be that good in basketball. He was good in baseball and football, but I would think that uh, hands down, uh, he's the the best I've seen. I, I know about uh, Kevin Durant and and the game he had the other day, but I would say that Austin Carr would be my pick. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, obviously, I, and I believe actually still handling uh, color uh, analysis for the Cleveland Cavaliers on their TV broadcast. Father's Day weekend here on Botch to Row. I'm your host, Donald Ware, talking with my father, Donald Ware. So your time at Howard, as I mentioned, Howard Hall of Famer. Uh, you're, you're from the city, went to Howard ultimately. What do you remember most about those days playing football and, and being at Howard University? Well, I think in, in the beginning it was tough. Um, in my freshman year, you know, whether I would, you know, try to, you know, make the team or not. But um, just uh, playing with um, juniors and seniors, guys that were 20, 21 years old, I was 18 years old, that was a hard adjustment. Playing with older players, and they were very, very skilled. And so, but like, tell, uh, speak on this story, how you even got started uh, that freshman year. You you weren't playing that much. Can you kind of talk to us about that and how you ultimately ended up playing and then becoming a starter, in essence, for four years at Howard? I think my, my first, you know, couple of uh, practices, you know, you were nervous because it older guys and I didn't play my first couple of games and, I remember after the, I think the third, second or third game, I went to the defensive back coach and, and told him that I thought I should be playing, I should be starting and not sitting on the bench. I didn't get off the bench those two or three games. And somehow he told the other defensive backs that I was complaining and that I was better than them. And I know it's a particular drill that we had in practice where I would hold some type of hand dummy, and they would all run towards me and try to knock me out of a, a particular line or circle. I think they did that did that for punishment because they heard that I said that was, I was better than they were. So I got through that, and I remember we were playing Delaware State. I was, of course, sitting on the bench, and I re- remember a linebacker on our team couldn't check a halfback who would come you know, fly out of the backfield. So reluctantly, I guess the coach, Tillman Cease, 
you know, asked me to go in and play linebacker, which I never played before, and certainly I was undersized and underweight. But I, I, I noticed that um, the offensive guard playing in front of me, we had a 5-4 defense, and uh, the guard that's playing in front of me, you know, on the running play would come directly at me. But this particular time, he stepped forward and he dropped back into a pass protection. So what I did, I I moved back and I looked through the offensive line. I could see the little halfback flaring out. So I just headed that way, and then the ball was there, and I caught it. I ran 62 yards. They caught me. I don't know who caught me, but they caught me and knocked me out of bounds. And uh, I started every down the remaining of that year in my sophomore, junior, and senior year. I never came off the field. Well, talking with my father, Donald, we're here on Box Row. So, you know, the, the, a lot of success at Howard, as I mentioned, Howard Hall of Famer, which ultimately led to an opportunity with the then Washington Redskins. We now call them, of course, the Washington football team and an encounter with the legendary Vince Lombardi. Talk about it. Yes. Um, on uh, February the 3rd, 1970, uh, I was asked to come to the Washington uh, Redskins head office, which is which at Connecticut and L Street Northwest. I had, a, I believe, a 10 o'clock meeting with Vince Lombardi. So I had received a call that previous Friday to, to, to come to the office. I knew I was going there to possibly sign as a free agent because the draft was over with and I wasn't drafted. I thought I would be drafted in the late rounds, but I wasn't. So I, I went there, and uh, I went up to the um, office, and the receptionist was there. I introduced myself, so I was down away and I had a a meeting with uh, Coach Lombardi. She told me to sit down, so she she buzzed him back, and uh, then she got back to me and said, that, "Hold on a minute, um, uh, 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 Coach Lombardi will be right with you." So a couple of minutes later, her phone rang, and she said, "Okay," and then she said to me, "Well, go ahead back." So I, I, as as I walked toward his office, and it was about maybe 50 feet from the receptionist's desk. I could see, you know, his door that said um, Coach Lombardi. And as I walked, it seemed like I couldn't get my footing. It seemed like I was um, walking on a cloud, I guess, because I was just anxious, over-nervous, and thought I would just faint or fall down. So as I got near the door, the door opened, and it was opened by Charlie Taylor. So I came on in, and I noticed Bobby Mitchell was sitting at one of the guest chairs in front of Lombardi's, Coach Lombardi's desk, and I saw Lombardi there working. It looked like he was working on some papers. So I, I came on in. Bobby told me to sit down. I sat down, and I noticed T Charlie Taylor had gone over to the, the coffee, I guess to make a cup of coffee. I don't know why he was there, but anyway, he was. Lombardi had finished some paperwork he was working on, and and he indicated to me that um, you know we had scouted scouted me, and they were looked at some film, and they were you know pleased at what they saw. So the first question he asked me, he said, you know, "We know we you played safety at Howard. We were think, thinking about you know moving you to cornerback. Do you think you can handle that?" I said, yeah, I, I don't have a problem. 
you know, move it to the corner. Because at Howard, when the game was, the outcome hadn't been determined, I would they would move me to corner, and I would no, normally check the best receiver. So I sat there a moment, and then somebody asked me, do you think you could check Charlie Taylor? So I, I thought about it for a minute, and Bobby seemed to be you know, very nervous. And I looked over at Charlie, and he was, you know, six. He was six three, about two ten. Is as big during that time. And I noticed he started stirring his coffee cup, and I can hear the tingling of the, of the spoon up against the, the the cup. I didn't know what to do because here Charlie was looking down at me, thinking, you know, can this rookie check me? And then somebody asked me the question. So I had to come up with something. I really didn't know what to say. I didn't want to say that I could check Charlie Taylor. And and then, you know, Charlie's sitting there, and I didn't want to say I couldn't check him. And then Vince, you know, is not going to sign me to a free agent contract. So I thought about it for a minute. And then I said to Vince Lombardi, because he was looking straight at me. And I said to him, no one can check him. And then Charlie, you know, seemed like, you know, he was satisfied with that because you didn't hear the cling of the <laughs> spoon up against the, the cup. And the Vince at that time had this big grin on his face, and he pushed this blue paper in front of me. And that was the NFL contract that I signed on February the 3rd, 1970. And I officially became a Washington Redskin. Uh, they were paying me $12,500 a year, $500 bonus. Wow. So that's how I got started. <laughs> that is. <laughs> I shook Lombardi's hand, Charlie Taylor, and certainly Bobby Mitchell, because Bobby Mitchell was the one who scouted me the most. He became a scout, I think, that year or so. 68, 69, when he retired. I remember going down to Morehouse uh, my senior year, and we saw um, Bobby Mitchell in the airport. I didn't realize at the time he was there scouting me. So obviously I I must have had a pretty good game, I I believe. I I think I intercepted two passes that game but and and made some tackles and, and stood up okay. So that was a story that I would never, ever forget, how nervous I was and the response I gave to Vince Lombardi about, could I check Tolly Taylor? Wow. Yep, yeah, you were in a, quite a predicament hat to give uh, a, a good answer, and you did. And, of, uh, uh, of course, um, I mean, we, we could share many more stories, but unfortunately we're out of time. Uh, really appreciate the time here uh, on uh, Box Row as we do each and every year. Happy Father's Day, and I'll, of course, see you real soon. And thank you, and you have a happy Father's Day, too. I got to run. Thank you to my father, Donald Ware. Thank you to Dwayne Ross. Thank you to Stan Barrett for joining us today here on Box to Row. For more information, great content on the program, log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support Yo, from the press box to press row is presented by the Don't Be Impatient. I hope you grow up to become that everything you can be. That's 
hustle, I'm on it for you, young and like father, like son. But in the end, I hope you only turn out better than me. I hope you know I love you, young and like father, like son. My little man, you think it's coming, coming.